Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It is now that time when we hear annual reports, and we were going to go in a slightly different order than what is in your bulletin, and we will begin with our excellent treasurer, Whit Rayner. But then he locked my papers right here. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Uh, what you have in your in your folder is a one page summary of the financial highlights of the year. You may remember this is what I did uh, last year as well. For those of you who are interested, a full copy of last year's end of year financial statement, along with a column with this year's budget, uh, for, uh, is in the back of the room, and you're welcome to pick up a copy of that uh, on your way out. But right there in the back uh, back of the room. You know, I started this year and uh, was was really a little bit uh, uh, worried, concerned about how things would go. We've got a new building embarking on that project, a lot of new things going on, and uh, was really uh, concerned about how we might finish the year. But thanks be to God, as you can see, we ended up 2019 with net income of $11,000, which is actually just a little bit more than uh, your vestry had projected for the year. Uh, among the highlights also in the income statement, uh, you would, you would notice that we collected over 100% of the amounts pledged, and you wonder how we do that. I think there are two factors. One, some people, uh, paid, uh, their pledge in 2019 that, uh, they didn't get in, you know, quite timely for 2000. Uh, eight, 2018, so we had to count that for 2019. Also, I think there were two more pledges that came in after the uh, budget was finalized last year. So we collected over 100% of the amount pledged. Uh, the expenses were well controlled and we were under budget by approximately uh, $41,000. Another good sign, you look, uh, we've got several funds, several pots of money and the cash that's actually available for operations to pay the light bill, to pay salaries and so forth. Uh, at uh, December 31, 2019, was $118,000 compared to $112,000 for the prior year. So we were up on the cash available for uh, operation. A separate set of funds are ODR funds. Those are funds that are that are restricted either by the vestry or restricted by the nature of the gift. So if you give money to servant ministry, that money can only be sent for servant ministry. It's put in its own pot. There's a separate pot for 
uh, chaired uh, for a capital campaign, for instance. Uh, although capital campaign is not included in the general uh, ODR funds summary here, but the ending balance of everything except in the capital campaign at the end of last year was $135,000. Uh, that was down from $168,000 the year before, but that's not that significant. It just meant more money was spent in the same year for those, uh, uh, for those special projects that people had given money for. Good sign, the rainy day fund was flat, uh, $116,000. We've got $116,000 put away for a rainy day, and we haven't had to uh, tap that to cover any losses. Uh, hadn't had to tap that since December of 2015. Uh, people always want to know the, the final day in the country profits that have come through are uh, $40,164 for the year. That's after we paid all of the expenses, and that's going to be directed and split between historic preservation, debt ser uh, servant ministry, and debt service was added this year. A little bit about that in just, in just a moment. Uh, as you look to the 2020 budget, um, happy to report we have our first $1 million budget in the history, the hundred and how many? 60-something year history. <laughs> We're a, we have a million dollar budget, a million and fourteen thousand dollars in expenditures, and uh, uh, we are projecting net income at the end of the year of $25, and if we're... Uh, <laughs> It's close. It's close. And if we get, if we break even, I will kick in an extra twenty-five to make sure that we meet that. Uh, <laughs> we meet that challenge. Debt service. I do want to talk about that uh, a little bit here because debt service really was put in our budget uh, in a small extent uh, last year, which fortunately we didn't need, and it's going to become a factor this year. If you go out and you look at the chapel building right now, probably today, maybe the last day, if you look at it, everything that's there has been paid for with capital campaigns. We have not uh, drawn on our construction line of credit at all, which is, which is a good thing. Uh, people are paying in on their pledges. Uh, I think probably, uh, uh, Amy will talk, we may be a little bit uh, uh, slow on construction with all this weather, weather but uh, we may get through next month uh, without having to draw on our line of credit, which would, would add one more month. Uh, from the treasurer's point of view, that'd be good. From everybody else's point of view that's ready to get in there, that's a bad thing. But uh, as far as having to, to, to pay those uh, that debt service, uh, we will probably start paying uh, next month, and if not next month, for sure in month, we will, uh, we will have to start uh, drawing on that uh, uh, line of credit that we have. You'll note, uh, I also put a comment in there, uh, there's a budget expenditure this year of $81,000 for debt service that we have to pay interest on the amount uh, that we are borrowing. That should be the most that we ever have to pay for debt service or toward a mortgage on the building. It ought to go down from that. Well, how is it going to go down, you say? Well, we've got uh, another million, uh, $1,100,000, between $100,000 and $200,000 of pledges left to, uh, uh, for people to pay on their pledges for the capital campaign. So we will have that money come in. Because we are paying all the interest uh, through this debt service item, every dollar that comes in will go to reduce the principal on the, uh, on the building. And then we will have, uh, a, 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 when, it, when it concludes, actually the interest rate goes down on the permanent financing because it's a more stable form of uh, financing. I also need to report to you, I think that's one of the, the duties of someone, uh, there was a mortgage taken out on property of the uh, 
uh, of the parish this year. It's a limited mortgage. We did not have to mortgage our entire property, including the, the uh, old, uh, uh, the historic chapel. But the five-acre track that runs along the, I guess that's the uh, south side of the property here, uh, five acres going back, and then it kind of zigzags over to the actual building itself. So there's a, you know, approximately uh, uh, eight to ten acres of property that's actually mortgaged to uh, to uh, Bank First. So uh, this this budget expense, as you can see, this is eighty one thousand dollars of new. Uh, expenditures that we hadn't had in the past, which put a strain on on trying to make ends meet for next year. Uh, I'm pleased we were able to do so and still project a uh, budget uh, surplus of $25. But uh, so what? So what can you do to help lower that number? For those of you that haven't given any money and feel so inclined and would like to give some to contribute toward the uh, uh, toward the uh, building of the new chapel, you can certainly. Uh, do that. See anyone at the office uh, about that. See me. Uh, you can uh, uh, also, those of you that have uh, pledges still outstanding and have the ability to go on and pay early on that. If you pay early, that's money that we don't have to borrow. We can go on and use that because as soon as those dollars come into our capital uh, campaign account during the next two years as people finish off the pledges, we're going to take that and immediately go to reduce the principal. So uh, all of that money will go and that in turn will lower the amount of debt service. So anything you can do in that uh, regard will be will be good. Finally, I want to report on stewardship and, uh, and how that impacted our budget for the year. Uh, the total amount pledged for 2020 is $747,000. That's uh, uh, excellent and, and in, in no small part uh, that was the reason that we were able to uh, uh, keep a positive cash flow because last year we were at $696,000. So approximately $50,000 more pledged this year than last year. Uh, pledging units were up uh, from last year. Last year we had 138 pledging units uh, or, or pledges. And uh, this year, uh, thus far, we've had 146, so that's up eight. And actually, the average pledge uh, by, if you if you counted that among the 146 pledging uh, pledgers, uh, was up another uh, $146. I just noticed that's the same number. That's interesting. Uh, so uh, a good year. Thanks to uh, thanks to all of you for your financial commitment to the chapel. And uh, as we go through this exciting time, uh, we look forward to uh, uh, we look forward to another financially successful year. If there are not any any questions, or, or you can see me, or you can see Ben after the uh, after the service. Thank you. Thank you, Wits. Now time for our also excellent junior warden, Tony Risher, to come up and give us a report on, uh, on our campus and physical plant for 2019. Good morning, everybody. Um, I just thought I'd give you a few highlights of things that, that I've worked on this year. And first off, I want to just note that we have, a, we have a, we've developed over the years a cadre of ex-junior wardens and, and other folks that, that have, uh, have a lot of expertise and remember where 
pipes are and different things like that. So uh, I want to thank them. Sometimes I had to call on them and impose on them uh, pretty bad when I was out of town or unavailable or whatever. And I, I appreciate the help. So, and I, um, you know, I'm turning this over to Ralph this year, and I intend to to be the uh, be helped to Ralph that same way. So, um, I guess the the second or within the first few days of being junior warden, I got a call from from um, that there was water shooting up out of the ground out at the front <laughs> gate. <laughs> so Russell called me and said, you know, have you been out the chapel lately? I said, no, there's this water shooting out of the ground. So that was my introduction. So. Anyway, that didn't cost us any money, thank goodness. But uh, some of the things that... Uh, that we dealt with today, we had oh, this this year we had a had a large tree that was hanging over the garage apartment that we they were able to deal with. Um, had a lot of things like broken windows and locks and in the Ed building. Just just to kind of give you a feel for what's those the Ed building and the choir building are were built in '98, so they're. They've kind of gotten to the point where they need a they need roofs, which we didn't. You know, we, we deferred this year by putting new boots on the vents and that sort of thing. So, but in the not too distant future, we're going to have to put roofs on those buildings, and they're pretty expensive. Uh, and the AC units are are same way; they're older, and they're going to have to be replaced. So, that's just something we have. You know, you know, coming in the in the not too distant future. Um, We've been trying to replace um, fluorescent lights with LED lights, which gives us an energy saving, and, and and they last longer. So that's kind of been a project. We've worked on that here in this building and also in the Ed building. Um, another big project we've had going on. We had a, couple, a few things that have interacted with the new building. Uh, the new fire alarm system was replaced. And then with the help of some other folks here, we... Um, made some decisions about the sewer system going on. We kind of had a, a out of date uh, sewer system that, that we couldn't put the new building on. So we're in the process of replacing that and tying into Bear Creek. So that's a, that'll be done uh, sometime in the next uh, month or two. I just say, like I say, you know, we have a beautiful campus, big campus. It's a lot of things to keep up with, you know, with the DeWeese house and that. The garage apartment and the chapel and, and these buildings here now with the new building so um, you know there's a lot of opportunities if you are so inclined or if you have some skills that that might you know if you see something that you, you feel like you can work on that's a good good way to serve I would say because there's plenty we have a lot more stuff to really to do than we have than we can uh, do right now so and another thought about that is that in, uh, this is an opportunity for savings. You know, we have lots of buildings and we have lots of air conditioning units. Uh, we have about a $25,000 a year uh, electric bill. So if you're upstairs in the Ed building and the thermostat's on 60 degrees and nobody's up there, um, you know, any kind of diligence like that to help keep up with things like that, if you know, the space that you're in is not going to be used after you're in there. Uh, you know, turn up the thermostat, you know, kind of you know, turn out lights, that sort of thing. All that sort of thing uh, helps a lot. Um, that's, uh, 
that's it really, I guess. And uh, I appreciate everybody's help this year and look forward to helping Ralph out in the future. So thank you. Uh, there is a great legacy of junior wardens at the Chapel of the Cross uh, going back many, many terms. And, and Tony, you are certainly uh, um, uh, great among those, and I know Ralph will be great among those as well. So thank you for your work this past year. Uh, now it's time to bring up uh, our building committee chair uh, for an update on our new building and all that's going on over there. Uh, so here is Amy. So a little disclaimer, <clears throat> if things go horribly awry with this presentation, I blame Davis Fry for planting the idea <clears throat> of a tour of the new chapel, and then Michael Barker, my loving husband, who said, you really need some pictures to go along with this, which led to my maybe a little over-the-top animations at, you know, 10 o'clock last night. So if it goes, if it goes wrong... Um, please be patient with me. Um, so in your bulletin or annual report, if you can even call it that, oh my gosh, Emily, amazing, um, you'll find the official building committee annual report. Um, at the end of December, the project was 42% complete, which you can see out behind us. The original planned date for move-in was June 1st. Uh, as of the end of December, it had slipped a couple weeks to June 15th. And, you know, as as a couple people, I think, had mentioned, there's all this lovely rain, so it's likely to slip a little bit more. But the crews are working really hard to get us in there in the month of June. And, you know, we'll keep you updated on that date as we get a little bit closer. So rather than walking through the numbers like normal, I'm going to do the Davis Fry tour of the new space. And I don't have the beautiful renderings like we had at the beginning, um, because now we're down into the construction drawings. Um, but I'd like you to just kind of follow along with me and sort of get a feel for what the new space will be. So imagine now that you are arriving for next year's 2021 annual meeting. Perhaps you'll park in the same space that you did today, um, and you follow the wooded pathways back to the new church. Maybe you drive around to the back of the education building. There you can park in the current office parking lot, but it's going to be double in size with a few handicap accessible concrete spots near the entrance of the building. The main church building will be made of brick. It will be the same reddish color that's on the chapel and other buildings on campus. Now, initially, it won't have that whitewash. Like if you look out the windows and you see the little whitewash on it or, you know, our current chapel, um, maybe we'll decide to add it. Maybe we'll fall in love with that original brick color that's underneath there. Both options have been blessed by the Mansdale Livingston Heritage Preservation District, and the, either one would be lovely and in line with the history of the chapel. Um, so depending on where you park, there are a few ways that you can enter the building. If you're walking up from our current parking lots from the west, then you'll get a breathtaking view of the building. There are six stone buttresses along the front and three doors. Those three doors are going to be made of mahogany, and the outside of the doors will be painted red. It's the same red color that's on that newly painted door that leads into the office area. And I think that there's a little uh, 
color swatch up there. Um, the inside of the doors will be a beautiful wood mahogany color. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. Also on the west wall will be the chapel's rose window. The window is being handcrafted by Pearl River Glass. It's 10 feet in diameter, and it's got a large circular border around the perimeter of the window. That's a pattern um, that's taken from the iconic cast iron fence, I'm sure you all probably recognize it, that surrounds the Johnstone family plot. That aluminum will be coated in a dark reddish-brown color to reproduce the aged iron color that's found out in the cemetery now. And then in the center of the window is the Agnes Day. Did I say that right, Ben? Um, that's got the lamb and the flags. That design will be modeled after the wood carving that's on the front of the tabernacle that's built into our current altar in the chapel right now. Um, if you walk in from the rear parking lot, there's also a door in the southwest corner of the building down here. I didn't circle that one. Um, all four of these doors, the three along the, the west wall, the main entrance, and then the one that comes in um, from the south will lead into a large welcoming narthex. And our furnishing subcommittee is hard at work identifying the furnishings for this space. From within the narthex, you'll see two stairways, and those will lead up to the choir and the organ loft. On either side and then in the center, there are doorways that then lead into the main worship space. At the rear of the church, as you walk in, we will have a baptismal font. The furnishings committee is working, looking at several options for the font, and they have some really beautiful options. We're planning to have pews built that will most likely be a rich brown color, heritage brown, uh, much like the wood tones of our current chapel furniture. The walls will be lined with windows that are very similar in style to our current chapel windows. Along the north and the south walls on either side, there are also some dark brown columns that tie in with the dark wooden beams along the ceiling. The planks of the ceiling will be the same color of brown, heritage brown, but um, we plan to make it somewhat diluted in order to make that big, expansive ceiling just a little bit lighter. There will be a large center aisle like we have now and also side aisles so we have room to walk. So as you walk up the center aisle, you'll see a large archway that's flanked in that same dark wood. That archway leads into the chancel area. To the right, there will be a pulpit for the sermon. And to the left, there will be a lectern for the readings. Then surrounding the chancel, there's a dark wooden screen or like a short wall that's stained the same color as the wooden beams of the ceiling. This embraces the chancel area and calls it out as a, a sacred space. If you turn around and you look back towards the west wall, there will be a similar wooden screen along the back wall between the narthex and the nave that helps draw your eye upwards. And that's where you'll see the choir loft, where at the end of 2021, you'll be able to see the beautiful custom-built organ that's being handcrafted by the Noack Organ Company. Of course, this will also be another beautiful, beautiful vantage point to see the window that will be embraced by the pipes of the organ. We're working to create an altar rail that's similar in style to our current altar rail. The altar itself is being handcrafted and will be near the center of the chancel area, so our priests will be able to face us during Holy Communion. Behind the altar, you'll see three very familiar windows facing the east. 
The built-in millwork is being done by Scanlon Taylor here in Jackson, a family-owned business for four generations. For furnishings with vestry approval coming soon, um, we plan to use a combination of pieces from the Hanaberry Workshop and from Adam Gwynn, both local Mississippi artists. During communion, we'll have the space to be able to walk up the center aisles, take communion, then exit to the left or the right and walk through doors in the wooden screens and then return to our seats on the side aisles. No more will we have to turn sideways to slip past one another to get back into our seats. Can you tell I'm excited about that? I spent a long time on those arrows, guys. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's also important to note that as you come down on either side of the chancel to return to your seats, those are ADA accessible ramps. So if someone's in a wheelchair, they have the option to come to the altar for communion too. To the south of the main building, there's another small building connected by a covered walkway. This is a small but important building. You can, um, you can access this building either by a door in the southeast corner of the main church or from outside the church as well. When you walk into the building from the north, first you'll look to your right, and that will be a locked sacristy for the altar guild supplies. There will also be a few other locked cabinets tucked discreetly in the church for some added storage. If you keep walking, the next room to your right is a children's chapel. And this could also be used as a room for a bride to get ready before a wedding or for a private space if a family needed some privacy during a funeral. Um, the next, uh, sorry. Um, the last room on your right is a single family restroom that is also ADA accessible and it has a changing table, a private restroom and a sink. <laughs> Then along your left side, there are traditional men's and women's restrooms, both with changing tables in them as well. There's also a janitor's closet and a water fountain that's tucked between them. When you exit the building, there's a simple courtyard between the two buildings that offers a peaceful space just to simply be. After church, when you come back out the front doors, there's a big gathering space. And this was the last slide, so... Um, there's a big gathering area so that we can sip our coffee or Diet Coke in my case and either look back over the cemetery back towards the current chapel or look out over the fields and the pond behind and have a, a social area. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you to everybody who's still working so very hard on this project. Of course, there are architects at Barlow, Eddie Jenkins, and our contractors from Probity Construction. The names from everybody on the building committee the furnishings and items of worship subcommittee, the construction oversight subcommittee, um, those are all listed in the annual report in, uh, in that, the, the building committee section. Uh, Michael Beatty continues to be instrumental, yes, pun intended, I say it every year, um, continues to be instrumental in the planning and the design of the organ and the choir loft. And, and in all seriousness, he has put and continues to put so much time and energy and heart into this project. I cannot tell you how much he is appreciated. And even though she isn't here, I'd also like to thank Jessica Nelson. Um, Jessica is a current choir master and organist at St. Andrews, but she's advising the interior furnishings and items of worship co uh, committee on liturgical uh, things, liturgical matters. She directs the Mississippi Conference on Church Music and Liturgy, and in 2015, she was appointed to the Standing Commission on Liturgy and Music of the Episcopal Church in the United States.
So there are so many people who are working so hard on this project. And when I come before you and I report the progress, it sounds simple. But behind the, the, behind the scenes, there are hours of rather tedious discussions about decorator white versus glacier white paint and septic system design plans, sewer system design plans like Tony talked about, code considerations, safety issues. There's a lot of discussion and planning that goes into this. And I think that Ben said it well the other day. We were in a joint committee meeting, um, and he said to the committee members that were there, thank you for spending the time focusing on all of these details so that everybody can come in and have a meaningful worship experience and not have to. So to everybody who's working hard behind the scenes and to each of you who continue to support the church and her growth, thank you. Now, my report wouldn't be complete if I didn't ask for money. I know what started this conversation, but please, please, please do continue to give to the building fund. Um, you know, we still need your support to finish funding the organ and also to complete the choir loft to support the organ and the choir. The choir loft alone costs $75,000 to finish out. Now, everybody in the first four rows, raise your hand. So if roughly this many people gave $20 a week, that's $1,000 over the course of a year, and that pays for that choir loft. And if you wanted to raise your hand and volunteer, that's great. But you get the idea. It's not that, that many people that can make a really big difference with a, a small amount. You know, you don't have to give a million dollars to be significant, although we're always open to those donations too. <laughs> But even, even a little bit each week adds up and makes a big difference um, in, the, in the project. One of my favorite books growing up was Fahrenheit 451. And so I'd like to share with you a piece of a passage from that book. Ray Bradbury writes, Everyone must leave something behind when he dies. A child or a book or a painting or a house or a wall built or a pair of shoes made or a garden planted, something that your hands touched. And when people look at that tree or that flower you planted, you were there. When we began the capital campaigning, capital campaign planning back, and I never looked up the date, I think it was maybe 2015, it was a while ago, I told several of you that I felt like this might be my most meaningful contribution in life next to, next to my family, right? And we're really at such a pivotal moment in the chapel. This new worship space is, is being touched and formed and built with our hands and with our contributions. It's, it's really astounding. When our children or their children come back to worship in that space, we will be there. We will be there. And this is the gift that we're giving to our community and our future generations. So thank you. Thank you, Amy. And now, last but not least, it's time for me. Every year, my remarks at the annual meeting are a precarious proposition. You have already heard from the treasurer and the junior warden and the building committee chair, and they are the real meat of this meeting. 
and I am merely the, uh, the extraneous sprig of parsley alongside. <laughs> also, at this point in the meeting, eyes are starting to glaze over, and folks are second-guessing their decision to attend. <laughs> there are so many people that need to be thanked for another excellent year that I begin to sound like a parody of an Academy Award acceptance speech. And finally, often by now, uh, the fried chicken has arrived, and the smell is creeping into the room, and I can do nothing to compete with a good piece of yard bird. So I will make haste. There are a lot of people I want to thank for making today specifically possible. For Tony, for our junior warden, for only an hour or so more, not that he's counting, uh, for setting up this room for us today, for the always wonderful altar guilds and flower guilds, uh, for, uh, and the ushers for making this space a worship space, which is no small feat, uh, for the entire Bro family, for Amanda Camp and Becky Heron and Ashley Hurden and so many others for coordinating today's lunch. Uh, for Brian Martin and his crew for counting uh, votes this morning, for Dana and for Emily who are here supporting and working this meeting when they should be enjoying their weekend, and I'll say more about them in a minute. Thank you all so very much. 2019 was a momentous year. Amidst many milestone births and baptisms, marriages and funerals, one moment that will be long remembered was our groundbreaking on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday at first might be an odd day to break ground for a new building, but remember your Bible, Matthew 21. They brought the donkey and placed their cloaks on him for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The people gave of themselves and that donkey and their cloaks and their shouts of Hosanna to give glory to God. And isn't that what we are doing here? There are so many people to thank for bringing us to the precipice of this new worship space. Most importantly, all of you who gave so generously. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But someone else deserves thanks, many, many thanks, and that is Amy Barker. Amy, as chair of the building committee, you have learned how to read and interpret blueprints, construction bids, change orders, progress reports, and so much more. You have sat through countless meetings and sent exponentially more emails. You have endured many complex personalities, including yours truly, your skills as a project manager coupled with your gentle and loving soul have been truly been a gift to the Chapel of the Cross. We would never have arrived where we are today without you, and we are forever in your debt. And on top of all that, we are still a parish church. 
We still worship four times on a Sunday. We praise God with beautiful music led by Michael Beatty and our wonderful choir. Our altar and flower guilds, ushers and acolytes and vergers and lay worship leaders and lectors and so many others help us execute the liturgy every week. Nelwyn Madison and Adair Cuttingham lead our pastoral care teams and help us care for each other in times of need. Sloan McKellar and countless other offer grand Mississippi hospitality during funerals and receptions and potlucks and parties. John Woodward and Ross Hargis lead a unique ministry in the Episcopal Church, hand-digging each grave in the churchyard. What our gift, what a gift to our sister and brother as they rest in peace. Our catechists teach our children the tenets of the faith and the traditions of the church. Michael Barker and his intrepid servant ministry team feed tens of thousands of hungry people and so much more, enabling us to be the hands of Christ in a hurting world. Oh, and yeah, there's that little thing called a day in the country, led this year so well by Meredith and Brett Bayless. We are doing so much that we can be proud of. And one group that enables us to do all of these things is the chapel staff. Dana, without you, we would be a hot mess. Not only do you keep the books, you are the glue that holds everything together, and you do so with the servant's heart, a noble trait that I would guess you inherited from your daddy. Thank you for being you. Emily, you stepped into our mess after graduating from Ole Miss this spring, and you took off running. Look at this annual report. <laughs> It is truly an amazing document. You have brought such creativity and artist's flair, such class to our communications. You are a gem. Will, there's you. <laughs> Not only are you a trusted colleague and adept priest, but you have cultivated a community of young adults, and that is nothing less than spectacular. These young adults, thanks to your leadership, are stepping up to the plate. And at some other parishes, I won't name names. Some curmudgeons, again, I won't name names, <laughs> complain that the young folk don't do enough. Not here. Not at the chapel. Y'all are leading a day in the country, chairing committees, giving generously, showing up to dig graves and run for vestry, and the highlight of my week is watching your children in worship. Will, thank you. Sarah and Stephanie, your work is very hard. Forming children well 
and gathering young people when there is so much competition takes great skill and hard work, and both of you have demonstrated both. Sarah, you have added a middle school youth group, which I hear firsthand is awesome. <laughs> and you have grown our youth program. Stephanie, your program has gone, grown as well, and you are not even here. <laughs> they added a new toddler classroom, as well as a second level one classroom. Thank you both. And finally, this morning, I want to thank everyone who pledged towards this year's annual campaign. As Witt mentioned, in 2019, we saw the number of pledges, total pledged and average pledge increase. And for that, I am very grateful. I'm also very grateful to Bob Williams, who chaired our stewardship efforts this year. Thank you, Bob. Bob was elected senior warden in December, along with Ralph Stillians, who was elected junior warden, and I'm really looking forward to working with the both of you this year. 2019 was a tremendous year, and to celebrate that, uh, Emily has put together a few images for us to enjoy this morning. <laughs> 